You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. That's where you're going to find the one, the only, the Champions of Chocolate. Peter Brook, Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of SFS, Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60 Bada Blue. Woo! A sports talk radio. Jacob, I trust that you had a fine weekend, my friend. Yeah, it was It was nice to, to get out of the house, get out of the routine, and uh, go to a wedding in the woods where there's horse flies everywhere. It was great. Oh, <laughs> horse flies. Now, are horse flies the same as uh, yellow flies or yellow jackets? Uh, yellow jackets, a bee, I guess. Um, huh. Horse fry- flies. I guess it is that time of year, though. You know, it uh, temperatures go up and a lot of our uh, insect friends seem to increase in terms of population. But give your friends credit. They knew when to get married. They did not get married between August and, let's say, early February. So kudos to those folks, Jacob. you got to give them some credit for that. Yeah, I, I will give them credit for that. I mean, they're not football people at all, but uh, this is my brother, my youngest brother-in-law. My oldest brother-in-law got married in uh, in January, right, right at the beginning, and I couldn't go because of the playoffs. Like, there was no not covering the playoffs, you know? Playoffs? Did he give you the Jim Mora? No, he has no idea who Jim Moore is. (laughs) Well, I guess he couldn't give you the Jim Moore. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a situation you take into your own hands when you don't properly plan the nuptials. So, uh, good weekend for Jacob Harrison. A good weekend for yours truly. Again, it was a bachelor-type weekend with the wife, the chocolate lady, the youngest daughter, off to Oahu for a week. Started with a bang. I didn't have quite the sort of social stamina as, say, a Phil Mickelson. I wasn't a social champion from over the weekend. Just put it that way. I got going pretty strong, you know, took in some live and very loud music on Friday night. Had a good time doing that. But 
rest of the weekend, it was pretty much good old-fashioned sports couch potato mode. Had a lot to choose from. Alabama softball getting it done in the Tuscaloosa Regional. Now 43 straight regional wins for Patrick Murphy's team as it rolls past Alabama State and twice over Clemson. Still haven't given up a run in this postseason. The Alabama pitching staff. How about Montana Fouch? Just continues to roll up the strikeouts and the shutouts as she pitches Alabama to a super regional appearance coming up this weekend in Tuscaloosa. The Kentucky Wildcats, Big Blue, coming down from Lexington after their regional win in Lexington. Needed the both those games. Needed the if necessary game at home against Notre Dame. But Kentucky gets it done, so there you have it. All SEC uh, Super Regional in Tuscaloosa coming up this weekend. You'll have another one, Florida and Georgia, down in Gainesville. So still a lot of SEC teams alive. I believe the ceiling for number of teams from the SEC with the potential to get to Oklahoma City sits at five because you've got two of these Super Regionals where they're all SEC teams. They're both SEC teams. So – We'll see how that plays out. See how many of these teams, LSU still involved, obviously. Arkansas going to host Arizona coming up this weekend in Fayetteville. So still a lot of SEC representation, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, LSU, Arkansas, still the possibility, Missouri still in this thing, still the possibility for as many as five. We know we're going to have – we're going to have at least two, and you're going to have at least two, you know, that are going to advance to Oklahoma City. 205-342-9904, that is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Obviously, I spent a lot of time this weekend also watching the pro golf on the cable. Look, I don't know what else you can say about Phil Mickelson in that performance on a very, very tough golf course. I thought Kiowa Island, the ocean course, would end up being the story for the week there in the Charleston, South Carolina area. And if not for Phil winning, well, I guess if Kepka wins another major and a third PGA championship, you got to talk a lot about Brooks Kepka uh, in that scenario. But Phil, once again, stilling headlines just a couple weeks after looking like he was pretty much done in terms of being able to compete on the big tour. Looked like it was about time for Phil to just go ahead and make that total migration to the PGA Tour champions, but Phil with an answer for old father time in South Carolina over the weekend becomes the oldest men's major champion in professional golf. Phil at the age of 50, and really when you look at sort of the post-pandemic sports year that we've had going back to last summer, and you had the return of the NBA and the playoffs and LeBron James in his mid-30s, LeBron 36 years old now, wins an NBA title with the Lakers. Here's one that was pretty low-key, the best I can tell anyway. You know, Nick Saban became the oldest head coach to win an FBS college football national title in 2020. Bobby Bowden was 69 years old when he won his second and final national crown with the Seminoles in 1999. Saban, also 69 years old. I checked the birth dates. I went to the birth certificates. 
Jacob Harrison. And Nick's got Bobby by eight days by my count. Nick Saban's birthday, October the 31st. Bobby Bowden, November the 8th. So there you go. Nick Saban getting it done as an older, I'm not going to say old, got it in uh, the guy's uh, energy and passion and all those things. Doesn't speak to old, but uh, Nick Saban getting it done as he approaches 70 years old in college football. Tom Brady, of course, wins a world championship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a 43-year-old quarterback. And then you've got uh, you've got Phil Mickelson getting it done at the PGA Championship. And where does this rank? In terms of golf, I've got to put this at the top of the list somewhat begrudgingly because nostalgia, I'm a Jack Nicholas guy. That's what I grew up with. I grew up with Golden Bear. That's why I got into golf as a little kid as much as anything, watching Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas at 46, winning the 86 Masters in terms of nostalgia and heartstrings being tugged, that will always be atop my list. Certainly, Tiger at 43, winning the Masters a couple of years ago, very impressive. I'll still, I'll still die on the hill, though, of Tom Watson at age 59, standing on the 72nd tee, at the 2009 British Open with a one-shot lead as the most impressive accomplishment I've seen in golf. He was 59, Tom was, okay? Not 50. And you talk about field strength and things like that. That's why I have to put Phil at the top of the list ahead of even Jack and Tiger because the Masters field isn't what it is at the PGA Championship. I understand you got a lot of club pros in the PGA Championship. But Tom Watson with a one-shot lead with a hole to go at age 59 at the British, still pretty amazing when you consider it. we got a lot of other things to get into throughout the program. Julio Jones here in the last few moments on the Undisputed program on FS1. I think unbeknownst to Julio and watching the clip back, I don't think Julio realized that his pal, Shannon Sharp, had him on live national television. When he asked Julio about his future in Atlanta and Julio responded with, oh, I'm out of there. I don't think Julio quite understood the uh, situation there with the live television, but that was Julio's comment. So without fail, Vegas has responded almost simultaneously and you now have favorites. You have odds out for Julio Jones's most likely landing spot for the 2021 season. We'll talk about that as well. Auburn picks up an intra-conference transfer and TJ Finley from LSU. Finley just made that known just a few moments ago. So Finley heads from Baton Rouge to Auburn, as we talked about last week. Alabama involved there. Had some interest in TJ Finley, but when you consider sort of the future and how things might set up at Auburn, Maybe a better path to the field there with the Tigers of Auburn. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Let's go there right now with Lewis up and Pat on deck. Lewis, how you doing? Yeah, Travis, doing good, man. Enjoy the show. Hey, I just want to thank you for your tribute you paid to uh, Roger Hawkins, the Muscle Shoals Swamper drummer. You played some... uh, some of the hits on the, you know, coming in and out of the show with the hits he played on. And you're very 
loyal to especially Alabama music, uh, Muscle Shoals, and and other artists from the state, as well as these other artists that you pay tribute to. And I just thank you for that. I really get a kick out of that. Well, I'm glad you enjoy that. And look, we could have had a, as you know, we could have had a a telethon, basically, of a show and not gotten in all of the impactful work done by uh, Roger Hawkins. But it was certainly certainly the, the smallest sort of gesture we could do here on the program to sort of pay tribute to the great one. Uh, you're right. Uh, you did a great job. And uh, one quick thing, uh, you know, sadly, David Hood, the bass player, is the last surviving swamper. And I'm from the area, grew up there. I knew all those guys. And I was talking to David Hood one day. This has been a few years ago. And I said, David Patterson and, and the drive-by truckers, man, they're doing really good. And he just looked at me and said, I was just glad when they learned how to play in tune. And I thought that was <laughs> Yeah, you I'm know, sure. Pat, Pat, Patterson fell a pretty good ways from the tree when it came to sort of musical style and preference with his pops. But yeah, it's been it's been different the route that Patterson has taken. I, you know, you think about, about the drive by truckers, and one of the first things you think of is a live band. I mean, they are tremendous yeah. in a live setting. Whereas you know, that's polar opposite to David and Roger oh, yeah. and Jimmy Johnson and, and Barry Beckett, they were studio guys first That's and right. foremost. I saw, saw an interview over the weekend uh, that, 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 um, that David Hood did, I believe, with AL.com, and he said they went out with traffic, you know, with Steve Winwood and those guys in the 70s. And, you know, Roger Hawkins just was not comfortable at all in that setting. It really took some time for really all those guys to get to where they were at a decent comfort level with playing concerts and live shows and things like that. They were most comfortable in those studios up there in Muscle Shoals and Sheffield. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know many people who haven't seen the documentary Muscle Shoals. Um, but if you haven't, I think it's on Netflix. You can probably find it on YouTube anywhere. It is just, I could watch that documentary almost every day. It's fantastic. Yes, and I, you just do a great job with all your musical tributes you play. Last thing, Travis, and I know you got to get to sports, and I love the sports, but um, I was talking to David, might have been the same time, and I said, David, if you just got paid a royalty every time that bass line you played on I'll Take You There gets played on yep. the oldie stations, on the movies, wherever, he goes, I got paid for the session, and we got and we cut two other songs on that session, and that was it. So there's a difference between songwriter royalties and just getting paid to play on the hit. Love the show, Travis. Thanks for letting me call. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime, Lewis. We appreciate the call. Yeah, little David, Mavis Staples helped uh, get David Hood's name out there on that one. I'll take you there all those years ago. Let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line at 205-342-9904. Check in with Pat on a Monday morning. Pat, how you doing? Travis, how you doing, buddy? You keep your hand on the pulse of recruiting. And uh, uh-huh. my, question, my question is, uh, what's going on with this wide receiver that we just uh, let get into the portal? Uh, was the film that I saw on him in a document, it was a film that supposedly he created or something? Hey, was that doctored or was that for real? If that was for real... And Lane Kiffin was to get a hold of a little short 
fast receiver like this, we might be in for a little ball game. Uh, I think you're talking about Josh Lanier, the walk-on yes, yes, that's uh, entered the transfer portal. Yeah, a really solid player, a uh, guy who has bounced around a little bit, Tuscaloosa Academy product, and you know, I think there's a place for Josh Lanier somewhere. Obviously, you know, he probably felt, I would think, that you get through this run with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Judy Ruggs, and you know, this is your window to try to have a shot going into – I guess what could be his final year of eligibility to, to make the rotation. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of talent that's uh, both already on campus. And, um, you know, you got JoJo Earl, Jamison uh, yeah. Williams coming in. So, you know, the recruiting just never stops at Alabama. It's tough, man. There's still a place for walk-ons uh, in the Alabama program. We've seen it going back to Will Lowry, Kelly Johnson, as a tight tight end H back on the 2012 national championship team, but but the way they recruit at Alabama, it's it's really tough outside of one of those specialist spots to make a, a, a you know a, a rotational type impact. But I, I think Josh Lanier can help somebody, no doubt about it. Man, uh, I would, what I what I saw he was doing to yeah. our D backs. <laughs> if that was like I said, if that wasn't doctored film. That oh. I mean, and it it didn't appear to be, and I mean, I'd hate for, to see Lane pick up a player like it. I really would, uh, you know. All jokes aside, uh, but look, hey, I'm also hearing that uh, Kamar Wheaton may find some other places to play besides just running back. That he's really, really catching the ball extremely well too. Have you heard him? Yeah, you, well, I mean, they're just getting on campus uh, here in the last few days. So I haven't heard anything from Alabama directed workouts or anything like that. But I think Kamar Wheaton, if you look at his high school tape, the comparison I made was sort of Dalvin Cook of the uh, – of the Minnesota Vikings and played his college ball at Florida state, just that sort of skill set. And Dalvin's younger brother, James was a guy that blistered Alabama on the long touchdown grab in Tuscaloosa. If you might recall, they split him out wide, got him matched up on Christian Harris and, you know, were able to get the deep ball to him. So now I think Kamar Wheaton's like so many backs these days, Pat, you have to have that potential as a receiver, uh, in your skill set. Now, that doesn't uh, excuse you from being required in pass protection. And, and I still think that's the area where young backs have to figure it out the most initially. I think Jason McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, guys like that, that's where they're going to need to take their biggest step as much as anything going into year two. Uh, but Wheaton is uh, hes a guy like Emmanuel Henderson who's already committed to Alabama. Um, you, you watch him and you know, he's not 6'3", 220, 6'2", 225 like Najee Harris, um, but he is kind of like today's back and that you can certainly see him do a lot of different things. Well, the thing that I see is that he's six foot tall and runs a 10, 600 meters. Exactly. He can blaze. Hey, hey, hey that's strolling. I don't care who you are. I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to mention about Kamar and see what you thought about it, but, uh, and I, Travis, appreciate you taking my call, buddy. Have a great week, and uh, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you, Pat. We always appreciate the call. Yeah, it is uh, summer enrollee time.
in Tuscaloosa and other college football outposts. A lot of excitement. We've talked about it before. Get to about Memorial Day weekend. It feels like the official start to the college football calendar year. I know you think of spring practice as kind of putting together the early stages of forming a next team, and certainly it does. Uh, you go through those 15 practices. You go through the off-season workouts. But the first time you really get everybody together is right now. You bring back the early enrollees. You incorporate the summer enrollees, the summer arrivals. Jamison Williams, I think they're still waiting on Henry Toa Toa maybe. Um, and then your returning roster in general, and you've got your football team for 2021. So – as always at BamaOnline.com, we'll have our ears and eyes open to just about anything we can bring you coming up in the summer months. We're going to step aside to our first break. We come back. Room for you on a guest-free Monday at 205-342-9904. Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 93. For tonight, clear with a low at 67. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Afternoons will stay hot with highs between 91 and 94 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. gentleman right there Bob Dylan turns 80 today how does it feel Bob age is just a number right that's what we keep having reinforced to us in the world of sports Phil look 50 years young over the weekend, winning that PGA championship. We talked about earlier in the show. Throw Serena Williams in there, too. Serena's 39. And in women's professional tennis, she's a constant still where Grand Slam competitions are concerned. Roger Federer getting up there on the men's side. Rafael Nadal. Pick a sport. The age thing just doesn't matter as much, apparently. Look at the NFL. 
We talk about Tom Brady, but Frank Gore is 38 years old, still toting the rock. Adrian Peterson, 36. A Geritol, man. Miracle drug or something. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line if you'd like to check in with us. We good on the music there, Jacob? There we go. I like Bob as, well, I'm probably not the biggest Bob Dylan fan in the world, but uh, yeah, I think we're good on that one. Hey, I just try like, to play it as long as you're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about old people in sports. I, I don't know. I'll have to check Bob's bio to see if he lettered, you know, maybe in high school or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, we love the music on the program. There's no doubt about it. So if we're ever going to maybe go over one way or the other, always, always, Jacob, always play more. No doubt about that. 205-342-9904. As we told you, heading into the break, TJ Finley, LSU quarterback, headed to Auburn. He'll join that mix with Bo Nix. Auburn in a situation scholarship-wise, three scholarship quarterbacks, similar to Alabama, but maybe Alabama's interest, or at least it's vetting of TJ Finley, tells you the Crimson Tide could look at adding a fourth quarterback before the start of fall camp in August. Alabama, looking at the scholarship numbers, still has some work to do uh, to get to the 85. And so with that, I think you can expect a few more departures in advance of fall camp. But Finley to Auburn, we'll see. Mike Bobo, Brian Harson couple of transformations that need to take place. I will say this. I think for what Brian Harson wants to do offensively and what Mike Bobo's background is on offense, I think TJ Finley might be a better fit at Auburn than is Bo Nix. Bo Nix, predominantly a shotgun, RPO, Zone read type guy. I've compared him to Connor Shaw, the former South Carolina quarterback in the past. And I'm sticking with that. But the transformation of Bo Nix to more under center, more pro concepts, more drop back game. Now, TJ Finley, that's an offense that would seem to fit him quite well as a 6'5", 240-plus pounder. But he's got to make some strides, too, in terms of being able to more efficiently get himself, A, in position to get the ball out, and then, B, just getting the ball out. That was obviously a big struggle for him in some games. Now, there were some matchups like South Carolina where South Carolina couldn't pressure their quarterback at all, and he lit them up for LSU last season. But it's sensible. It makes sense when you consider the players involved at Auburn now. With Gus's offense, it would have made zero sense for TJ Finley to head to the Plains. But with Harson and Bobo there, makes a lot more. 205-342-9904. So how many super regionals has the Alabama softball program participated in? I don't know the exact number, but I don't have to. You know why? Because they've played in all of them. 
every super regional since the creation of super regionals in college softball, Alabama has appeared. One of the more amazing statistics in all the sport. That'll be the case again this weekend coming up at the Rhodes House for Patrick Murphy's team, Montana Fouts. You know, we wondered going into last weekend how Murph was going to set the table with that pitching staff, and he went with Lexi Kilfoyle in game one. And it made perfect sense, especially when you consider Alabama and the two games against Bama State had hammered the Hornets by a combined score of 21-3. to Lexi Kilfoyle more than did the job and a run rule job of Bama State on Friday. And then you had Montana for Saturday, outstanding in that winner's bracket championship game against Clemson. And then comes right back. Maybe not as sharp yesterday. You know, for all the strikeouts on Saturday, and it was amazing. She didn't walk anybody on Saturday. She makes it so much easier to play with her than with some other pitchers. And look, the strikeouts, they take care of a lot of things. You look at this Alabama softball team and it's missing some key pieces right up the middle. Not exactly the strong suit of this Alabama softball team is defensively maybe up the middle. Alyssa Brown in center field. Very, very good. Otherwise, just okay. But when you've got Montana Fouts pounding the zone and striking people out at such a clip, that takes all the pressure off the defense. And then offensively, you're freed up because you know you don't have to go up there pressing because one or two runs against most of these teams is going to be enough. You get to Oklahoma City, that may not be the case. But it has been for 15, 16, 17 games now, it seems like. So you're excited about the upcoming weekend of softball in Tuscaloosa. As well. Alabama baseball, not so much. Crimson Tide swept by Mississippi State over the weekend. The concerns you had going into those final three SEC weekends come to fruition as Alabama, in series against Vanderbilt, LSU, and Mississippi State, go a combined one and seven, looking like very much an NCAA regional team. Heading into that stretch, coming out, looking like it is very much outside the cut line. Going to take some heroics. And the good news is you are back in Hoover after five years. So that was always going to be step one of the uh, Brad Bohannon tenure at Alabama. Just get back to the SEC tournament. Usually if you're in Hoover, your chances of getting into regional play are very good. Maybe not so much as the 10 seed instead of, say, the 8 seed, which was a possibility for Alabama going into the Mississippi State series. But after being swept, Alabama, the 10 seed, will get play underway tomorrow afternoon matchup with South Carolina, the 7 seed. And whereas you got to win that game, because it's single elimination in these first-round games. You're trying to get to the double elimination aspect of the tournament. The problem for Alabama is, okay, you get to double elimination, and you know you don't have the quality arms that you typically would have if you had a healthy Connor Prelip and Antoine Jean. 
Now you're really swimming upstream in a double elimination scenario. So we'll see how Alabama responds to its first appearance in Hoover since 2016. Going to head to another break. We come back more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. And a loser's Monday on Southern Fried Sports. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you from 11 a.m. until noon. Julio's out there. He's officially out there, is saying he's out of there in Atlanta. But I don't know watching that little interaction of Julio with uh, co-host of the undisputed Shannon Sharp there on FS1. I didn't get the sense that Julio was well aware that he was making that proclamation on national television. So uh, I don't think Julio comes out the biggest loser in all that. I would say perhaps because Julio is very much out there is saying he's out. Kind of hurts the Falcons, doesn't it? perhaps in terms of their options and what the return might be on Julio in terms of trade value now that he's been very public again. It looks to be that Julio wasn't planning to be public about it, which leads us to probably the bigger loser in all this, Shannon Sharp. Probably makes for great television. It's certainly gone viral. We're talking about it, right? But come on, Shannon. You got to let your guy know, don't you? That he's on national television, on speakerphone, talking about his future plans and his profession. How would you rank the losers in this uh, recent scenario, Jacob, with Julio and the situation that's unfolded this morning? Uh, I, I would say Shannon Sharp goes first because of the uh, total lack of integrity to unless he texted him beforehand I don't know but yeah. it just seemed really weird but the Falcons have got to be the bigger losers here I first of all uh Rappaport and and uh Schefter are out here reporting right now that you know it's all gravy because he asked for the trade to begin with but the Falcons want a first for Julio and that's just yeah. not happening and now it's really not happening yeah because he's basically said I'm gone and uh, so you got Sportsline on Twitter uh, with, with their odds makers with some odds. Now, you know, it. I would think, and I think Schefter reported this too, obviously if you're the Falcons, first and foremost, you want him out of the division. You don't want him in the NFC South. But even as an extension of that, you'd like him out of the conference altogether, not that you still couldn't see him in some crossover games with the AFC 
But uh, according to Sportsline now, uh, the 49ers are the favorite at plus 250 to land Julio Jones via trade. The Raiders, how about the Raiders? You get a little Kenyon Drake, a little Josh Jacobs, a little Henry Ruggs III, a little Julio, a little Alex Leatherwood. I mean, how much of that offense will be bamming up if Julio ends up in Vegas? Uh, the Patriots next at plus 500. The Chargers at plus 700. The Titans. Been a lot of buzz about the Titans. You had Julio in that picture here recently with Derrick Henry. The Titans, though, middle of the pack, according to these odds, at plus 800. Jacob will be happy to know that the Ravens, well down the list, at plus 900. Carson Wentz won't be happy to know that his Colts are plus 1,200. And I get the sense Aaron Rodgers right now could not care less about anything to do with the Packers who come in at plus 1,500 with Julio Jones on the trade block. So there you go. Julio very much making headlines this morning. The Atlanta Braves, speaking of winners on a winners and losers Monday, making some headlines here the last couple of days for the right reasons. Man, my social media timeline over the weekend, a lot of you folks got over to Truist Park. Big crowds, it looked like, there in Gwinnett and uh, Gwinnett County. And the Braves make good on a four-game getaway stand with the Pirates after a sort of forgettable performance against the NL East leading New York Mets midweek last week, but the Braves bounce back, take three of four from the Pirates, have now won four of their last five. How about Austin Riley yesterday with a couple of bombs? Max Freed with a very strong outing on Sunday. And so now winners of four of their last five, here sit the Atlanta Braves just a game and a half back of the Mets, who are four and six in their last 10. The Phillies in second place, three and seven in their last 10. So here come the Atlanta Braves. Once again, knocking, speaking of Bob Dylan, knocking on 500's door. Just sub out heaven for 500. And that's been the Atlanta Braves so far in the 2021 Major League Baseball season. Going to step aside for a final break. We come back. More of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 93. Port tonight clear with the low at 67. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Afternoons will stay hot with highs between 91 and 94 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ADC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Bartender in a pool of blood Cries out, my God, 
Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. It's an exciting stretch for college football fans, college basketball fans too. Lost in the excitement that really for the first time where the upcoming college football season is concerned, pretty much Entire rosters are coming together at places like the University of Alabama. And it's so easy to look at Alabama and look at those early enrollees that we saw during spring practice and think, wow, how are you going to top bringing in five stars like J.C. Latham and Tommy Brockermeyer and Kool-Aid McKinstry and Ajay Hall? And the list just went on and on. And you saw the presence of those early enrollees in the 8A game. You could pick a position and there were guys raising some eyebrows. Jaquincy McKinstry in the secondary, Jai Hall at wide receiver, Deontay Lawson at inside linebacker. I thought Mikel Goodwine, he got limited reps in the spring game, but he flashed some pass rush ability. Robbie Oots at tight end. Ian Jackson at linebacker from Prattville. Tommy Brockermeyer, his brother James, getting some work at the center position there. Kind of surprised me because James Brockermeyer had a pretty significant ankle injury last fall that put an end to his high school career. So you wondered about his availability being able to go in spring drills, but there he was in the 8A game, and then you turn around and you're only about halfway there as far as newcomers are concerned because you bring in Dallas Turner, the five-star hybrid outside linebacker, weak side defensive end, figure he'll start out at that jack linebacker position. How about just stacking Dallas Turner on top of Will Anderson from a year ago when you talk about five-star edge defenders? Oh, you need some help? on the interior of that defensive line. Not so much, not immediate, you wouldn't think, because DJ Dale has made 22 starts over the last couple of years. Tim Smith showing a lot of promise going into his sophomore campaign, but here comes Damon Payne anyway, a five-star defensive tackle from Belleville, Michigan. Earlier in the program, we talked with Pat about Kamar Wheaton, five-star running back from Garland, Texas, 5'11", 190. He's got that ability with that legit track speed in the 100 meters to hit the home run from just about anywhere on the field. You watch his tape. He shows you he can catch the football. And speaking of Texas and guys that can catch the ball, run with it, score from anywhere on the field, here comes JoJo Earl, highly regarded four-star wide receiver, Shifted over to the defensive side of the ball. You got Terry and Arnold coming in from Tallahassee. John Paul, the second Catholic school down there. Very versatile defensive back. I know on BamaOnline.com, we've had some interviews with some of the incoming players like Dallas Turner and like Terry and Arnold. And you would think at those two spots, outside linebacker and the secondary in general, 
these guys would look at those situations and maybe be a little bit timid, a little bit hesitant to jump on board at a place like Alabama. But the same thing you hear from these guys over and over again is more along the lines that, well, Dallas Turner, I saw Will Anderson do what he did last year as a freshman. They like the idea that if you are the best player or one of the best players in your first year on campus, even if you don't start, you're going to be thrust right into the mix. And there's always room for guys that can cover and guys that can get after the quarterback. And Terry and Arnold's one of those guys that when you talk about the secondary, he's projectable at just about every position back there. Now he's listed as a safety by 247sports.com, but you read his comments there at bamaonline.com, and he's very clear. He feels like he can play anywhere back there. Corner, safety, sub roles. Not talking about Jimmy John's, by the way, or Jersey Mike's. Sub packages. Star, specifically, when you look at a guy like Terry and Arnold. He, too, he saw young players jump in there a year ago for Alabama. Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, they love it. So, uh, very intriguing group set to hit campus or is hitting campus as we speak. And then, of course, on the basketball side of things, J.D. Davison may not be potentially a bigger star when you talk about a newcomer hitting the Alabama campus than potentially J.D. Davison. That type of dynamic, game-changing talent that Nate Oates is welcoming into an already great situation. You wonder about Josh Primo. Is he going to stay in the draft? Is he done at Alabama? But when you recruit at this level and you just keep coming with guys like J.D. Davison, the concern seems to lessen a pretty good bit, doesn't it? That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. As always, thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the program. The Lunch Whistle on this Monday, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Be sure to get by there for lunch. And if you can't do that, well, happy hour awaits you later this afternoon. And, of course, dinner always a great choice there at Southern Ale House, whether it's that Yardbird chicken sandwich, whether it's that outstanding bacon wrap meatloaf with a tomato jam, maybe the bone-in pork chop when you get by there for dinner at some point. All of it is going to make you happy. That I can promise you. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. Dexter Bradley said I'm really not sure A cop said a poor boy like you can use a break We got you for the motel job and you're talking to your friend Bello You don't want to have to go back to jail, be a nice fellow You'll be doing